James, Stephen, I feel really bad. I, I, we're here at the session. We had a guest host for a few episodes, and then you just asked a question, and now you're asking a question again. This is the one time in our history I'm not asking a question of you. Well, James, as the great philosopher Shinzo Okazakaberg once said, Very great. Only a true friend will carry another friend without complaining of how heavy and what a drag the other friend is. He was very wise. He was. I'm glad he existed. And so, James, I pose to you the following question, which is this. NASA, as you may know, is implementing a plan to put humans on Mars by the 2030s. Okay, It's not so far from now. No. 15-ish years from now. Tomorrow in, tomorrow in the real world. Well, well, think about it. You and I met about 15 years ago. So mm-hmm. 15 years from now, it's 2031. So young James and Stephen, who are meeting today, by the time they're where we are now... They're going to do a podcast on Mars. Exactly. The rocket and space capsule are being built now, and there are different versions of... Um, there are different proposals for a variety of Mars trips. So what I want to know is, James, seriously, as seriously, seriously, would you care about going to Mars? And uh, furthermore, if the only option were a one-way trip. If you were on one of those proposed journeys that doesn't have a return, um, and let's say instead of looking forward 15 years when you'd be in your late 60s or something, let's say it's now, let's say it's today, that you could go to Mars today but never come back, would you do that? Well, I'll answer in a second, but this does go along. But first, let me interrupt myself. (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) interrupt myself. I think there is this general frontier need that people have to always be hitting is that, the frontier. Is that evolutionary, perhaps? Do you think that comes from our caveman jungle days? Obviously, because we were <laughs> nomads and we built, we're the only species to build a brain that allowed us to adapt to different weather environments of all yeah, trillions of species but if I on were, the planet. But if I were the first of our species and the species is, as you say, kind of hardwired programmed to... No, it's not hardwired. It evolves. So the ones who survive are the ones who who moved around. we're programmed to evolve to suit our needs, right? So if that were the case, if I were that person, we'd still be living in caves. Correct. I wouldn't even have a rug in my cave. I would eat whatever nuts and berries grew like right outside because I'm a total coward and totally unadventurous. Correct. So your DNA would not have been passed on. The DNA that would have been passed on were the people who who were, in fact, your ancestors, the ones who developed the ability to adapt to new environments to seek out a frontier. So and it's look, only when our species could carry dead weight like me and you. Well, I shouldn't l- loop you in, <laughs> lump you in with me. <laughs> well, that people like me began to. Well, yours ancestors, my everybody's ancestors adapted to different environments. Look, w- think about what our species had to do to get around. How did we get to Australia, for instance? We had to go thousands right, of we miles. We didn't have Uber to get to the, the airport. <laughs> we had to go thousands of miles over water. And think that there was land that we were going to somehow hit. Like, how did we, what other animal would have done this? What other species would have done this? Isn't Australia a great country? I've never been there. Me neither. But I love it in theory. I like I like the way they I like the way they carry themselves. Like They're very pragmatic and and uh, and optimistic and rugged. But I'm gonna a lot of great golfers out of Australia. A lot of great tennis players. We should do Australia should invite us to do a live QOD there. But, I would, 
to answer your question, I think we, we what was the question? Um, Mars. Would, I, would I go to Mars? I think we do have this need for constant frontier, not only geographically, which we've done very well, but also in knowledge and innovation. And now we're going to start uh, hitting the frontier of virtual reality and what we could do with with all these new technologies. So. I do think a lot of people would say yes and say, oh, I would never turn down an opportunity to go to Mars or to to go up and... If, if alien, let me pose the question to you in a slightly different way. What if aliens came down and landed right now and said, Stephen, you have a wife and kids, but if you leave right now with us, we're going to travel all around the galaxy, you're going to live to the age of 20,000 because we're going to give you all our medicines... Mm-hmm. And but you but you have to leave right now. We're never coming back to Earth. Would you do it? Not never, never, never. In part because I'm scared of things I don't know. Which I'm. Let's say you're confident that that they were telling the truth. Uh, no, it's it's not that I'm. I don't trust them. I just I, I'm not as enthusiastic about new experiences as many other people are. Well, but I, also I don't want to live forever. Well, I agree with you. But so so I would say no. To going to Mars, I wonder if it's an age thing. Like maybe if I was twenty, I'd feel differently. But I have zero interest, and in even live. I don't even like. I had to go sixty blocks to get to this podcast studio, and I was complaining about it. Like I don't like to leave my apartment. Well, let me ask you this: for those people who do want to go to Mars, what do you think drives them? I think that that enormous primal need. Do you to think they're always- just closer to our 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 caveman progenitors? No, I don't think, I think we're more frontier-like even than Cavemen. I think it's still evolving. Why do you think Star Trek, a show which was canceled, by the way, after two seasons, became this phenomenon afterwards? It's because just the opening phrase, like, you know, to strike a new frontier. Like, it's it, it's all about exploration and exploring space and exploring things we don't know and exploring mystery and... We just feel this primal need for it. And not not just geographically again, but in every area of our life, we want to hit a frontier. Like you didn't want to, you don't want to just stop at doing the question of the day podcast. You do five podcasts. Like you're always thinking of ways to expand the frontiers but of what I, you do. I don't think that's about exploring the unknown. I mean, I think there's a big difference between novelty and trying new things and keeping yourself excited about the way you live and work and so on, and really seeking out frontier. I think, I think it's both. I think they're mixed. Well, I think that just requires a degree of bravery. Like whenever I read any history and I read about that group of people who set out to do something and usually they fail and we mostly read about the few that didn't happen to fail. Um, I think, oh my God, there's no way I would have gotten on that train, that wagon, that boat. No right. no version of me ever. So there might be a curiosity but you also need to be the to be the first, or to I would be call it a cowardly guys, curiosity. You, you I have. need, like, if you could teleport to Mars and teleport back, you'd probably do it because you'd be curious, right? Assuming well, the teleportation. So was you've safe. just so you've just phrased beautifully the reason why VR is really appealing, why virtual reality is really yes, appealing. yes, because because I because actually, I am never gonna go to all the places in the world that I would probably benefit hugely from going to or have the kind of interaction. Okay, and I've actually been to Mars on virtual reality. How'd it look? How was it? It's, it's you feel like you're there you you, you know because it's from three dimensions yeah so you, describe it was it dusty cold dark it was like a red you know red reddish sort of surface very dusty and nothing there basically just mm. like a bunch of potholes on the ground was it a pleasant experience just yeah. to see it yeah, yeah. it's interesting mm-hmm. and it's and it it's more than just sort of seeing it on a screen you really do feel like you're there particularly and, if you're not inclined to pick up some sand 
did it change in any way the way you think about your being here and now? No, but it it did make me think that hey, this virtual reality thing is going to get very interesting as the technology. But it's interesting. Expands. You were thinking about the technology of virtual reality as opposed to the reality of Mars. Correct, but that's only because the technology is going to continue to improve. So the reality of Mars is going to get more and more real. We're we're only in inning zero of virtual reality. So you have to think of how is life experience in general going to change as this technology goes from inning zero to inning nine? Mm. Like every I love that you know how lives. many innings there are in a baseball game for such a non-sports fan. Yeah, inning zero, quote unquote. Yeah, well, we don't really have that, but that's okay. <laughs> Question of the day. We'll return in a minute. Thanks. I'm Trayvon Free. I'm Mike Drucker. You are now in the room where it's happening. Where we geek out about the best musical of all time. Hamilton. Hamilton. We'll be talking about the lyrics, the history, the production, and we've got some amazing guests. We have actress Kristen Chenoweth. I'm for you, and I'm sorry you shot him. Comedian John Hodgman. I ran home, and I said to my wife and two children, you have to listen to this. Hamilton cast member Jasmine Cephas Jones. Yo, this is amazing. <laughs> Subscribe right now, and you'll never miss an episode. Join us in the room where it's happening. Everybody. Um, let me ask you this. You know me fairly well. I am very interested in people who are in- very interested and knowledgeable about VR, but it doesn't really capture my imagination hugely yet. What would you say is something that if I were to get in a good VR situation with it, that it would really change my way of thinking. Okay, what if you could play, what if you were actually playing in the Masters tournament mm. in golf and you were actually doing it? You were there, the pros were all around you. I'm in. And you were, and you were playing in it. I'm in. And you could feel the, the golf clubs, you had a caddy. Right. The audience is cheering. I like Go it. Go Steven. And uh, you're, you're, you're maybe up against one, maybe. Hey, Jason, Jason, can I use your wedge? Like that. Yeah, right? exactly. Hey, um, I had this uh, idea for an invention that uh, I never did. So it would be, um, it basically is a very, 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 very bad and sloppy version of what you're describing, which is that uh, I want to be able to watch any sport sporting event. Um, I have it, it's a television. It was invented. <laughs> <laughs> you're a genius. So the invention was basically that um, it's just participatory fandom in a sporting event. So that basically I just have enough sensors on me so that I can actually participate in any um, element, not just watching, but feel it. So like if I can wear one of those big body suits of sensors, you know? Yeah. And then I can watch the Steelers, let's say, play the Patriots in the AFC Championship, and I can get down in an offensive lineman crouch and feel on the real play as this it's is happening. what's going to happen. This is going to be virtual well, reality. When does it happen? Because I want, I want it to happen fairly soon. I bet you within five years that type of technology will be there. Okay. What about other senses being engaged? I, people are working on it right now. Smell, it's, taste. Yeah, all of that's being worked on. Mm. I don't know about taste necessarily, but like touch and feel and things like that. What what VR experiences are you most excited about other than the obvious sexual ones? <laughs> um, I probably games. Mm. Like I think uh, 
I actually think shoot 'em up games as much really? as I hate to admit it. Do you like Do you like them now? Do you I, like I don't. Up games I don't now? like them now. Why there Why is, do you think you'd like it so much in BR? I just think that's like the ultimate adrenaline fix. Really? Well, think about the popularity of shoot 'em up games over the past twenty years. They're the most popular games in the world. So. Imagine with an extra three-dimensional component where you're feeling everything and you're you're you feel you're on the battlefield. Like I think uh, I think that's going to be incredible. I learned something the other day from Kevin Kelly, who I know you admire as I, well. He's been on my podcast a couple of times. Talked about um, how gaming, the gaming, you know, appetite for gaming created a need for um, bandwidth, essentially. Bandwidth storage. Uh, gra- 3D graphics right. rendering. Uh, so, I mean, look, all of which had unintended consequences of accelerating AI in a variety of fields. Yes. And yeah, and the same thing's going to happen with, with VR. Yeah, with VR. Mm. I mean, and it's going to also change writing. So right now, a virtual reality experience might be you you land, you go to Mars, and you see a spaceship landing, and you watch it, and things you interact with it in some way. But real writing for a VR experience is going to have to be. Th- three-dimensional so that your experience in an environment is going to be could be a hundred percent different than my experience in an environment depending on who we, almost like a choose your own adventure we're choosing making different choices in what we do there has to be writing and content to handle all of our choices how, so there's a whole artistic medium that's going to develop around this how much um how much time travel do you think is being written into vr now what do you mean by time travel? Well, I would love to put on my goggles and go to the Brooklyn of 1906 when my grandfather emigrated, for instance. Yeah, I bet you, I mean, I don't know the answer to the question, but that certainly sounds like something that's going to happen. I mean, if but there Definitely, needs to be a market. For, I mean, there needs to be a, education. a demand for it. Yeah. There's going to be a huge education You know what market. I bet? Ten, let's say 10 years from now and VR is like flawless when it's absolutely like you're there, you smell it, you see it. You feel it on your skin. I think the uh, I think the time travel that pretty much everybody is going to want to do would be to come to the studio where they make the QOD podcast. Well, I'm gonna. I know you're trying to end the podcast there, <laughs> but I'm gonna. I'm gonna say you're not one, gonna let it end. I'm gonna say one other thing, which is that. Um, you sure you're gonna say another thing? I, I kind of forgot it. Hold on a second. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is real reality. Yeah, this is not virtual reality. This is not at this all virtual reality. reality. This is Pod podcast reality. reality. PR. Um, I forget. Oh, oh no, no, no. Okay. I, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. Here's the question. When virtual reality is so good, how do you know it isn't already so good for some other species and we're in that virtual reality right now, this second? Like if virtual reality is going to be so great in 10 years and the universe has been around 15 billion years already probably the chances are some other species has developed virtual reality to the point where we're now all in a virtual reality, kind of like the Matrix. How do you know we're not already in a giant virtual reality since birth? Oh, I don't know. I've always assumed that's the case. I've always assumed that my life is not actually a life of decision, free will, and choice. Well, I have something... I'm just some shaggy little puppet. I have something for you, Stephen. It's a little red pill. Is that from a movie? The Matrix. Oh. On the next question of the day, what is the right amount of lazy to be? You know what? That's a great question because everybody goes on this kind of self-help, oh, you got to hustle every day, you got to work hard every day, you got to like 
when everyone else is asleep, I'm still sending emails and coming up with ideas. I hate that stuff. Question of the Day is produced and mixed by Nathan Rossborough with Allison Hockenberry. 